A lot can happen as time passes. Things change. You're not the same person you used to be. Life just looks different. Think about life five years from now. What will you be like? What will your life look like? What about us as a church? What will happen at NCC? Well, God has given us a clear picture of what will take place here at NCC in the next five years. And it's big. God's leading us to a place that we've never been before, to growth that we've never seen before, to growth that's not just additional, but growth that multiplies. We are the church. And as we step into this new season, God is calling each of us to multiply. How are you guys doing this morning? Good? It's good to see each of you here. And I know we mentioned this a moment ago, but if this is your first time, if you're new to NCC or if you're watching this later this week online and you're tuning in for the first time, we just want to welcome you. And if I haven't had a chance to personally meet you yet, my name is Aaron and I'm the lead pastor here at New Community Church. And we're glad that you're with us. We're in our second week of this series called Multiply. And as we started this new year and we're stepping into a new decade, we've asked God, hey, God, what could the next five years look like here at New Community Church? What could this look like in our lives? What is it that you want to do inside of each and every one of us? Imagine how different your life will be in five years. And we want God to be a part of that. And so we've kind of set out saying, God, dream with us, set a goal in front of us. What's the next horizon, Lord? What is it that you're calling us to? And that's what we're looking at for these few weeks, the goal that God has placed in front of us. And so we started last week by talking about that goal. And you can see that up here, we've said by 2025, we will make 1,000 disciples across three NCC campuses. And so I want us to say that together. I know we said it a moment ago in our declaration, but let's just say that out loud together. Come on, here we go. By 2025, we will make 1,000 disciples across three NCC campuses. And so we feel like that's what God is challenging us with. And, and we said that last week. That's each and every one of us being a part of that, hearing the call of God and stepping up to that. But that is a scary goal. You know, if you started thinking about your life, how am I going to be a part of that? What will that look like for me? And so we said, where do you even start with a goal like that? Well, it starts with each of us pausing. And just take a second and look at your own life. And the question we asked ourselves last week is, do we have a life worth reproducing? Do I have something inside of me that I can give someone else? Is my life an example that others could follow? And so that's where we started last week of God, change us, renew us, transform us. God, do something inside of me that others will want. They'll see that and they'll want their life to be an example of that. And so that's where we started last week. And this week, we're gonna go into a little bit deeper that goal that God has set in front of us of making a thousand disciples. We wanna look at this. And so if you're taking notes, you can grab the card in front of you. You can take out your smartphone. I want you to write this down. This is the title of the message today, and it's this, Jesus is talking to you. Turn to the person next to you and just say that. Jesus is talking to you. Okay, do that right now. Jesus is talking to you. And I believe God has something that he wants to say to us. Uh, my prayers, we've been praying and fasting this week, is God, whoever is in the room, 
whoever's going to watch this online, God, there's something you want to say to us. So you're not here by accident. You're not here because you woke up this morning and thought, hey, I'll go to church. I truly believe God has you in this room right now for this moment because there is something he wants to say to you. There's something he wants to challenge you with and encourage you with. And so that's what we're focusing on. Jesus is talking to you. Now, there is a Christian group, a Christian organization called the Barna Group. And here in the United States, they study churches. They study Christians, like their walk with God, their relationship with God, how much they know of the Bible. So in fall of 2017, the Barna Group went out and they interviewed thousands of Christians across the United States. And they asked them this one question. What was the last challenge Jesus gave us before he went to heaven? What was the last command that God said? Like, that's a pretty important thing. What was it that Jesus chose to leave us with before he went to heaven? And if you're like, Aaron, I don't know, you're among the majority of Christians. 51% of people said, yeah, I don't know what that is. It's called the Great Commission. It's what Jesus challenged us with. And when they talked to these Christians, hey, here's what it is. Most of them said, yeah, I wouldn't even know what that looks like. And I don't know if the church I'm a part of, I don't know if they've ever talked about that. 51% of Christians. Another 25 said, yep, I don't know what it is. And when they were told what it is, they were like, maybe my church has talked about that. Maybe I've heard that at some point in my life, but, but I'm just not that familiar with it. Only 17% of Christians said, hey, I know what that is. And they could talk about that, Jesus' last words. And here's what it would look like, or here's what it means. And that's not a very good percentage if this is the last thing that Jesus gave us. And so I want us to look at that this morning. If you have your Bibles, turn this morning to Matthew chapter 28, and we're going to start reading at verse 16. And if you didn't bring a Bible with you, there is a blue Bible in the seat in front of you. It may be one or two seats over. You can take that out and turn to page 487 or take out your smartphone. Just Google Matthew 28. You will get there. And we want to open up God's word. We want to understand what it is that he said, and in case you're unfamiliar with the book of Matthew, Matthew wrote a biography of the life of Jesus. So starting at his birth, he talks about Jesus growing up and um, the teachings, the miracles that Jesus did. He talks about the death and resurrection. And then chapter 28, this is the very end of the book. So these are the last moments Jesus spent here on earth, and he's giving us a picture of that conversation that he has with his disciples. This is what it says, Matthew 28, 16. It says, now the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw Jesus, they worshiped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and he said to them, all authority in heaven has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. And if you have your Bibles and your smartphone, highlight that, make disciples of all nations. If you have that Bible in the seat in front of you, you can write in that, underline that, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Now, when I, every time I read these words of Jesus, this is the last thing he's going to say, I realize, hey, there's an importance, there's a weightiness to these words. I think there's a lot of things Jesus could have said to these guys. He could have said, hey, I taught you how to pray. Don't forget how to pray. Like, I'm going to heaven to be with my father, but you still need to talk to God, so don't forget to pray. He could have said, hey, I challenged you in your faith, so make sure your faith stays strong. Like, don't let that waver. Like, keep trusting in God. He could have said a lot of things, but he chooses to leave them with this challenge. Make disciples. 
As you're living your life, that's what that word go means. As you're going about your day, wherever you are, make disciples. Let your life, what you've seen me do for the past three, three and a half years, what you've seen me live out, now you're going to go and now you're going to do this. You're gonna take what I poured into you and you're gonna give this to others. That was the challenge that Jesus gave them. Those are the last words. Now you're gonna go and do this. Go and make disciples of all nations, wherever you're at. Find people that you can spread what I've given you. And so there's an importance in the words that Jesus gave us. There's this weightiness. We should understand those and we should be living those out. Jesus is talking to you. This morning, if you're here, Jesus wasn't just talking to these 11 guys because he could have had a side conversation. He could have told them something, but he chooses to share this with all of us. Jesus is talking to you. And this morning, that's what he's saying is go and make disciples. Students, when you're at school, when you're around your friends, when you're in sports activities, make disciples. Adults, when you're in your workplace, when you're around family, when you're in your neighborhood, be looking for those that God has placed around you. Go and make disciples. This is what God is challenging you with. He's talking to each and every one of us. He's talking to you this morning. And we hear this command from God, and our response should be 100% of us, we're going to do this. Because Jesus is talking to you this morning, our response is 100%. God, we're in this, Lord. We're following what you've said. But so many of us, we try to make excuses. There may be those of you in this room and you think, well, Aaron, I kind of get that. I get that maybe that's for everybody. But Jesus isn't talking to me because I get a free pass. And maybe this is how you justify that in your mind. You think, well, Aaron, I come here to church on Sunday mornings and I give some money in the offering, and that helps the church do what God wants it to. So that's kind of my past. Like, I just give money, and then other people do those things. For some of you, you think you get a free pass because you're like, well, I help out in other areas of the church. So isn't that, isn't that good? Isn't that what I'm supposed to do? Like, maybe you serve in kids or students or in any other areas of the church. Hey, Aaron, when you guys go out and serve, and you help nonprofits, and you serve people in need, that's what I do. So I get a free pass. But Church, I'm challenging you this morning. None of us get a free pass. Jesus is talking to you. And he's looking at you and he's saying, hey, I'm challenging you. Go and make disciples. Can I just be honest with you? I've been looking at just reflecting on the past 20 years of ministry. And I think sometimes I've said that to God, like, I get a pass, right? I'm a pastor. And every week I stand up here and I open up God's word and I challenge people, hey, go and live for God. And isn't that kind of discipleship? And God's been challenging me, hey, no, that's, that's preaching my word. That's not going and making disciples. And Aaron, you don't get to say, I do these other things, so I don't really have to do this, God. Each and every one of us, church, Jesus is talking to, this, to you this morning and he's saying, go and make disciples. Now, I want you to be very clear because I'm going to challenge you and I'm going to try to challenge you um, very deeply this morning of what Jesus is saying and what he's telling you this morning. But I want to be clear. This is not a salvation issue. I don't want you walking out of this room saying, Pastor Aaron said, if I don't make disciples, I don't go to heaven. Okay. I don't want you thinking this morning, Pastor Aaron said that if I don't make disciples, God doesn't love me. That's not what we're talking about. We're very clear about that here at NCC. We don't earn our salvation. We do not work for our relationship with God, okay? We don't try to do enough good stuff to outweigh the bad stuff, and maybe somehow if it can equal out, then God will let us into heaven. No, we are only saved by this. We're saved because we realize we've sinned. 
We've disobeyed God at some point in our life. We've told God, I know my way is better than your ways, and I'm going to do my own thing. And then we find out we can't fix ourselves. You guys, I can't solve my sin issue on my own. And that's what Matthew has written about in the first 28 chapters. Jesus came because we as humans, we have a problem with sin. We tell God, I know better than you, and I'm going to do it my own way. And we can't fix ourselves. And so Jesus came, and he came to the cross, and he died for us to pay the penalty for our sin. That's how we're saved. So this isn't an issue of salvation, like maybe if I do this, I can get into heaven. No, that's not what it is. But none of us get a free pass. In church, we're not believers. We're not followers of Christ that are just saying, well, what's the smallest amount I have to do to get into heaven? Like, God, what's the least I can do? And you'll still, you'll still let me into eternity with you. No, that's not who we are. We are followers of Christ who come and say, God, I surrender everything. Everything that I am, God, everything that I have, every part of me, God, I give it to you. If you're telling me to do something, God, my only response is, yes, Lord, I'm going to do it. And so we don't get to say, God, I do all these other things. Look, isn't that good? No, God's called us to do that. But he is also talking to you this morning saying, hey, I want you to go and make disciples of all nations. Some of us think, well, Jesus isn't talking to me because I'm too busy. Like God knows my schedule. God can see my calendar, my workload. It's just so busy. My life is so busy. But Aaron, I'll get to a place where eventually I can do what God says. And when we're maybe in middle school or high school, we think, well, God, eventually when I become an adult, then I'll do it. But God, I've got a part-time job. I've got all my homework. I've got friendships that I'm trying to maintain. I've got extra sports and extracurricular activities. So Jesus, when I get on my own and I don't have my parents telling me what to do, then I'll make disciples. And then we get into college and we tell God, well, when I settle down, when I have a wife, when I have kids, then I'll have the time to do that. Some of you in this room, you're like, Aaron, I have little kids. They're constantly running around. I'm chasing them all over the place. There's no way I have time for this. But, but Aaron, eventually they'll get into school and I'll have a breath of fresh air, right? I'll kind of be able to breathe. I'll have a little bit of space. Church, it's always going to be something else. When I get this promotion, when I make a little bit more money, I have a little bit more in my bank account and I don't have to work so much. God, when I get here to this point, then I'll follow you. None of us get to say, God, we're too busy. Church, you do not get to try to fit God into your schedule. And yet that's how so many of us are living. God, I can do this as long as it works from about 11.15 to 12.30 on a Sunday morning, God, then I'm your person, okay? I'm your girl, I'm your guy, like you can count on me, God, as long as it works within that time frame. But you and I don't get to fit God into our schedule. We get to once again come and say, God, I surrender my life to you. And God, if you're saying yes, then I may need to ask what other things do I need to say no to, but God, you have my attention. Church, Jesus is talking to you and we don't get to make the excuse, well, I'm too busy. I've just got so much going on. He's challenging you, go and make disciples. He's given you the time to do that, to do what he said. I think there's one other maybe group in this room that some of us, we think, well, Jesus, I kind of get that. You're, you're talking you know, to everyone, you're telling all of us to make disciples, but Jesus, that isn't me because I'm not really a strong Christian. Like, I don't have all of this figured out. And if that's you, I want you to just once again reflect on what's being said here. I've read this so many times, but when I read this verse right here in Matthew 28, it kind of jumped out at me. If you still have your Bibles open, Matthew 28, verse 17. It says the 11 disciples came to him, and then verse 17, 
When they saw Jesus, they worshiped him, but some doubted. And I'm like, what? That can't be right. But some doubted. These were the 11 guys that had seen some crazy stuff. They had seen Jesus walk on water. They had seen Jesus call a dead man back to life. And we're not talking like he had stopped breathing, you need to do CPR. He's been in the grave for four days. They're like, Jesus, we can open up the tomb, but the body's going to stink. It's begun to decay. And they see Jesus speak out his name, Lazarus, come forth, and the dead man begins to walk and comes back to life. They had seen Jesus take a little boy's lunch, like a lunchable, and feed 5,000 people. They had seen some crazy stuff, and yet they get here and they're like, hold on, Jesus, I still got some questions. Like, I don't have all this figured out yet. And Jesus, I don't know if you can leave yet because there's still some stuff going on in my life. And yet some of them doubted. They had seen all of this amazing stuff, and yet some of them are like, Jesus, I'm still working on this. And he's like, it's okay. It's okay. Go and make disciples. And let me tell you what, I'm going to be with you all the way to the end of the age. It's okay because you're not doing this on your own. I'm not leaving you. I'm not abandoning you. I'm going to walk with you. My spirit's going to be inside of you. And so whenever you speak on my behalf, whenever you're doing this, I'm right there with you. And so church, we don't say, well, God, maybe I'll get to some point where I won't struggle with sin anymore. It'll never happen. Or God, maybe I'll know all the parts of the Bible and I'll be the smartest guy and then I can answer all the questions. You're going to be taken forever to do that. We don't make excuses when it comes to God. Each and every one of us, 100%, Jesus is talking to you this morning. He's speaking to you, church, and he's saying, I'm challenging you, go and make disciples. What I've done in your life, you're to pass that on to other people. You're to take what I've given you and what I've done, and you're to speak that and to develop other people. And so once again, we don't get a free pass. We can't say we're too busy We don't tell God, well, maybe eventually I'll be a strong enough Christian right now, right where you're at. Jesus is speaking to you, go and make disciples. And so I want us to look at that when we realize that Jesus is talking to you. Jesus is talking to me when we realize that, what does this even look like? How do you make a disciple? And over the past year, I've watched more hours of video footage than I can even tell you about read so many books, read over the gospels over and over, heard sermons on this. And I think we complicate this so much. So I wanna try to make this as simple as I can for you this morning. If you're walking out of this place saying, Aaron, I get it, Jesus is talking to me. I understand that. So what does this look like? What did Jesus do? And so I wanna just kind of boil this down. If you're answering the call and you're like, yes, Aaron, it looks like this. When Jesus walked this out, when he lived this out, we see two things in his life. He was high invitation, high challenge. High invitation, high challenge. That's how Jesus made disciples. High invitation, high challenge. That's how he makes disciples. That's what it looks like in the life of Christ. Let's look at scripture. And I'm gonna give you a number of scripture this morning. And so you can write some of these down. You can go back and read them later. But Jesus is talking to you, make disciples. And that means high invitation, high invitation, What this looks like in Matthew chapter four, verse 19, Jesus is walking beside the Sea of Galilee. It's by this big lake. And he sees these two brothers and he looks at these two guys and he says, come and follow me. And then he walks on further. He sees two other brothers, James and John, and he says, come and follow me. You flip forward a few chapters, Matthew chapter eight, verse 22. There's these guys and they're like, Jesus, we love what you're saying. And Jesus said, come and follow me. 
And they say, but Jesus, we got some household affairs we need to take care of. We have a family member that's passed. And Jesus is saying, no, I'm inviting you in. Come, be in relationship with me. Come and follow me. In Matthew chapter 9, the guy that wrote this book, Jesus is just walking alongside of the road. And Matthew is in a tax collector's booth. Think of the IRS, right? No one likes him. He's hated by his own people because he's technically working for the Romans and they were oppressing the Jewish people. And Jesus looks at this outcast that no one else wants to be around. And Jesus says, come and follow me. Jesus, everywhere that he goes, he's inviting people into relationship. Now we read these words and we just see a couple of words, but there was so much cultural meaning This was the words that a rabbi, like a spiritual teacher, would say to a Talmudian, a disciple. And it was this invitation. He was, in essence, saying with these few words, my life is an open book. For the next few years, look at my life. Everywhere that I go, I'm inviting you to come with me. I'm inviting you into relationship. I'm inviting you to be close to me. Ask me questions. I'll show you what it's like to pray. My life will be open to you. And whatever God is speaking to me, I'm going to give that to you. I'm going to show you. I'm going to encourage you. I'm going to challenge you. Like my life is open. Jesus is saying, hey, come, be close to me. Be in relationship with me. That's what Jesus does. Come and follow me. And church, if we're going to make disciples, we have to be willing to follow that example where you open up your life to the people around you and you're saying, hey, what God is doing inside of me, I want to share that with you. And what I'm doing, my, my life, it's an open book to you. I'm not going to close things off, but, but here, look at my life. Look at my example. We, we, so many times, we want to hold people at an arm's length and we want to disciple them like this, like you can only get so close, but that's not what Jesus does. You read the Gospels, it's almost 24-7 for a number of years. He's walking closely with people saying, you can look at my life. It's an example. Follow me. I'm inviting you into relationship. This is high invitation. And you keep reading through the Gospels. Jesus had this, this wording of kind of like a rabbi and a student, this spiritual teacher and the student. But as you continue to read through, and this begins to spread into Greece, and up into Rome, and into the southern part of Europe, and into the northern part of Africa. And they don't understand, come and follow me. But they do understand, like, this apprentice, this household relationship. And so that's why Paul, when he's talking about this, he's like, hey, this is like a father and a son. This is like a mother and a daughter. Because they did understand that. And there was this cultural thing where a daughter would stand at the shoulder of her mother, And you would actually train your daughter, like, how did you interact with people? How did you live in the community? How did you buy stuff? How did you take care of that? All of these things, like, you would do that. A son would stand at the shoulder of his father, and he would learn from his dad. And he was growing up into a man because eventually he would have to teach his kids. And so that's why Paul, in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 2, he says, Timothy, my true son in the faith. He's not saying, like, Timothy, I'm really your dad. What he's saying is, hey, I've poured my life into you. You've observed my life. My life has been an open book. To make disciples, what Jesus is saying to us, it means you're going to have to open up your life. You can't just sit next to someone for an hour on a Sunday morning and think, well, that's what I have to give. No, your life is going to have to be an open book. And some of us, that's difficult when we talk about discipleship. I was thinking about it like this. Imagine with me um, that we were going to go out um, to dinner together. And so if Sarah and I came and said, Alice, we love you and Kiki. You guys are just so amazing. 
And so Sarah and I, we're going to take you to our favorite restaurant. And I have a menu here. So I want to give that menu to you. Just look that over. Man, even thinking about that, my mouth is watering. This is the best place. It's my treat. I want to take you there. And so Sarah and I come pick up Alice and Kiki. We get in the car and we drive to the restaurant. And I'm just talking this up like, this food is going to change your life. This is the best thing you've ever eaten. You're not even going to want to eat other stuff. And we sit down at the restaurant. The waiter or the waitress comes up, like we order our food. I'm showing you, hey, this is the best stuff. This is what you want to do. But before the meal comes, I make us get up and leave. And then I see you next Sunday and I'm like, Alice, wasn't that the best? How did the food taste? And you're gonna say, yeah, I don't know. We didn't eat. Aaron, you're a jerk. You didn't even let me eat the food, right? Like, why would you do that? And yet that's what so many of us are doing. Hey, Jesus will change your life. I even have a copy of the Bible here, but we're unwilling to open up our life and let them actually experience of what it means to follow Jesus. And I'm telling you, church, no one is called to walk alone in this Christian faith. No one is called to do this by themselves. But that means each and every one of us saying, Jesus, you're talking to me. That means high invitation. God, I'm willing to open up my life. We don't like to do this. And do you know why? Because if I let people in, they're gonna see how messed up I am, right? Like if people get really close to me, and I think about this, we all look good on Sunday morning. Like I look across the crowd, women, you guys have your makeup, your hair is done just right, right? Guys, like we have the perfect outfit. Like we all look good in this light. Everyone looks perfect. But you come to my house, like Reese comes over, he sees me walk out in my pajamas, my t-shirt, right? My hair's all messed up. Like he knows what that is. I'm not a perfect person, okay? This is not how I look 24-7, you guys. And when people get close to us, they're gonna see the way I talk to my wife. They're gonna see when I get frustrated with my kids, and I do get frustrated with my kids. They're gonna see what I do when I get stressed out. They're gonna see all of that stuff. And there's many of us, we're like, I don't know if I want people to get that close to me. But you guys, we're not trying to tell people, follow Jesus and you'll be perfect. We're trying to show them, how do you follow Christ in the middle of a crisis? How do you follow Jesus when everything's falling apart, when your life isn't going perfect? How do you follow Jesus? How do you trust him when you get a medical bill that you weren't expecting? Like, what do you do in that moment? That's why it's important that people are close to us. Do you get that high invitation? They need to see your life of what it looks like. That's why Jesus opened up his life. Not only was Jesus high invitation, but he was also high challenge. He was high challenge. Let me quickly explain what I mean by that and what we see in the Gospels. If you still have your Bibles open, um, there's a few more passages I'll walk us through. Jesus is talking to you. He's saying, make disciples. And that means high challenge. Jesus leaned into difficult conversations. In Matthew chapter 14, verse 31, we see this. Jesus um, is sent the disciples off. They're traveling on the lake and... Um, he begins to walk on the water. Kind of crazy thing, right? Jesus is walking across the lake. The disciples are in the boat. He catches up to them. And Peter says this. He's like, Jesus, if that's really you, tell me to come out there and I'll walk on the water too. And so sure enough, Jesus calls him. Peter steps out of the boat. He begins to walk on the water. And all of a sudden he starts to take his eyes off Jesus. And he sinks and he's starting to drown, and Jesus has to reach out and pick him back up, and he takes him over to the boat. And he doesn't look at him and say, Peter, that's so amazing. Look what you just did. He says, Peter, why did you take your eyes off of me? Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? Peter, you had that. You had that, man. 
don't, don't let your trust in God fail. Like, don't take your eyes off of me. You fast forward in, into Matthew chapter 17. They've come off of this mountaintop. And I think it's about verse 9 through 11. His disciples are trying to cast out a demon because this dad says, hey, my son is demon possessed and the demon's trying to throw him in a fire and they can't do it. And Jesus just speaks the word. And they're like, Jesus, how did you do that? And Jesus says, hey, this kind only comes out by prayer and fasting. You've got to go deeper in your relationship with God. These are his disciples. And he's saying, hey, you got to pray more. You got to line your heart up with God's will and what God is speaking if you want to see him use you. You look at Matthew chapter 16, and um, I think it's around verse 23 there, Matthew 16, verse 23. Peter makes this amazing declaration. Jesus says, who do people say that I am? And Peter's like, you're the Christ. You're the son of the living God. And all the disciples are high-fiving Peter. They're like, man, that's so amazing. Yeah, that's, that's the perfect answer. That's it. And then Jesus looks at them and says, this is what it means that I'm the son of God. I'm gonna suffer. I'm gonna be crucified. I'm gonna be beaten. And then I'm gonna die. And Peter pulls Jesus aside. This is what it says. He rebukes Jesus. He says, Jesus, shut up, man. You don't know what you're talking about. You're not going to die. Didn't you just hear me? You're the son of God. Like the son of God can't die. And Jesus has to look at Peter and say, get behind me, Satan. Peter, you're allowing the enemy to speak through your life right now. You don't have the things of God in mind. You don't understand God's plan, Peter. James and John, if you look at, I think it's Luke chapter 9, um, verse 55, they come out of the desert. They're getting ready to go into this city called, you know, in Samaria in that area. And the people hear about Jesus and they don't let him come in the city. Matter of fact, they come to the outskirts of town and they reject Jesus and they're like, you're not coming in. And James and John get frustrated and they're like, seriously, this is the son of God. Jesus, you want us to call down fire from heaven? Like, we'll just command a lightning bolt to strike that town. We'll take everyone out. And Jesus has to look at him and say, Peter, that's not how you respond. Or James and John, that's not how you respond. That's not the spirit of God inside of you. Like, that's not how you react in that situation. God has placed a different spirit inside of us. Are you guys getting this? Like, we kind of read these casually, and these were awkward conversations. Like, when Jesus looks at Peter and says, get away from me, Satan, get behind me, all the other disciples are like, Eek, right? Like, I'm going to scoot away from him. I don't want to be too close to him. Like, it's awkward, you guys. It's difficult. Jesus has to look at them and says, how come you're doubting? Like, what's going on with your faith? Hey, guys, you got to pray more. You can't just phone in this relationship with God. You got to go deep in God. You got to pursue him. You got to passionately, like, he's willing to have these hard conversations. And sometimes for so many of us, like we love being around other people, but we're not challenging them. We're not really challenging them to grow. We're not seeing what God's spirit wants to say through us, but you wanna lead people, you're gonna have to have those times where you look at them and say, hey, you're dis disconnecting from church, that's not okay. Hey, you're, you're not using your gifts and talents, God's called you to more. You're phoning in your relationship with God. You have to be willing to lean into the awkward conversations Hey, the way that you're talking to your wife, man, that's not laying down your life for her. That's not loving your family. You can do better. I believe in you. I want to help you. I want to be an example. You've got to have these challenging conversations if you really want to make disciples. 
Let me give you kind of a picture of what this looks like when we miss this, okay? So imagine with me kind of this grid really quick, um, what this looks like. In Jesus, how I said he disciples, it's high invitation. This is high relationship, but on the other end of that spectrum, you have low invitation, like low relationship. On one end, you have high challenge, and then on the other end, you have low challenge over here. You can see that. Jesus, as we've said, he makes disciples by high invitation, high challenge, so he gets empowered disciples, you're talking about Matthew um, going down into northern Africa. You're talking about Thomas being killed for his faith in India. You're talking about these guys going out, and they're living this out. Why? Because they had seen Jesus live it out and lay down his life, and they had heard a challenging message from Jesus. They had been challenged of how to live out their faith, so they're empowered. They're taking this. What we talked about last week, they're turning the world upside down because Jesus walked closely with them, and he was willing to have difficult conversations. Now, some of us, we're like, we love the relationships, like friendly church, this place is so awesome, I love NCC, but, but I don't want to be challenged. And when we do that, we get comfy Christians. We get people that just like to sit in that nice kind of comfy chair right there. And hey, I love hanging out with people, I love spending time, like all of this is so great, people welcome me, they say hi to me when I come here, but I don't want to be challenged. Someone else will give, right? Someone else will serve. Someone else will make a thousand disciples. Like, I just, I just kind of want to be comfortable here. Don't challenge me. And when we do that, we kind of just settle into our relationship with God. We love the relationship, but we don't want to be challenged in our life. What about low challenge, low invitation? You get bored, Christians. No one's walking with them. No one's helping them. No one's encouraging them to grow. They're just stuck in their relationship with God. And pretty soon, what will happen is they'll sit in here for a little bit, and then they'll just disappear off the radar. They're not connected to anyone. They're not being encouraged to grow in their faith. They're not helping anyone else grow. They're just bored. When you get high challenge and low invitation, this challenge but no relationship, you get religious Christians. These are people who think their relationship with God is just kind of this spiritual checkbox. Like they feel this encouragement to do all of these things. I gotta do this, I gotta pray, I gotta fast, I gotta do all of these things. I've got all this stuff I have to do, but there's no relationship. No one's showing them how to live this out. No one's showing them the love of God. Compassion's not being de demonstrated in their life. It's just a spiritual checklist. It's some religious stuff I gotta do, God. And church, that's not how we wanna be. We wanna walk closely with people in relationship. We wanna have intentional, meaningful spiritual conversations, and we wanna produce empowered disciples. My dream, as I said last week, is that as we look around this room, that you would be able to point at other people, friendships and relationships. Hey, I helped them grow in their walk with God. I was there with them through that difficult time. I opened up my life and now they're taking their life and pouring it into other people. They're doing what I did for them. That's the kind of church that we wanna be. Church, Jesus is talking to you this morning and I wanna pray for you and then I'm gonna challenge us to respond. And so I'm gonna ask if you would take a moment, maybe bow your head and close your eyes and just reflect on what God is saying this morning. Church, he's not talking to the person across the room. He's not talking to someone else that you're sitting next to. He's talking to you this morning and he's saying, I'm calling you to make disciples. I'm calling you. I have a purpose. I have a plan for your life. This is my desire. For some of you in this room, and I wanna pray for you, maybe you're here and all God's been about, maybe when you thought about church, it was just religious. It was this spiritual checklist of God, I've got to do these things. 
And this morning, God's spirit is reminding you, no, I want a relationship with you. I wanna be close to you. I wanna be near to you. I wanna empower your life to change the world around you. For others of you, you've gotten comfy in your relationship with God. You're not serving. You're not using your gifts and talents. You've got a list of excuses about why you're not doing that. And this morning, Jesus is saying, I'm talking to you, make disciples, make disciples. Fulfill my kingdom, my purpose in your life. If that's you, no matter where you're at, but if you're saying, Aaron, I've kind of gotten stuck or maybe my relationship with God is not where it needs to be, but I want prayer for that this morning. If that's you with no one looking around, would you just lift up your hand and then you can put it back down. Thank you, thank you, thank you. After you lift it up, you can put it back down. Thank you, thank you. I wanna pray for you this morning. And I'm going to lead out, but just right where you're at, would you have a conversation with God? And whatever he's challenging you with, would you just respond with obedience? God, I'm going to do that. Lord, I wanna follow you. Let's pray together. God, I thank you for this challenge, Lord. God, your word reminds us we can't fix ourselves, God. We can't do this on our own, but Lord, you came, Jesus. You gave yourself for us. So I pray for everyone in this room, Lord. Let us hear that challenge this morning. You're talking to us, God. You're challenging us to go and to make disciples. Lord, to open up our life, God, to have intentional conversations, Lord. So do that. Bring that change. For those of us that have been walking without purpose, I pray this morning, God, for your purpose, God, your calling, God, what you're challenging us with, God, let us begin to step into your calling this morning, God. Let us be a church, let us be a people, God, that produce empowered disciples, other people that are gonna go and make disciples and fulfill your command, God, what you're asking us to do. Lord, I pray this in your name, amen. Church, can we just put our hands together and celebrate, Lord, with what God's doing in our lives? And so this is how I'm gonna ask you to respond, okay? There's two ways you can respond this morning. If you would take this card again in your hand, or if you used your smartphone earlier, that's fine too. Take this out. You guys, I can see if you're cheating, okay? At least fake like you're reaching forward and grabbing this or, or your smartphone, okay? So you're gonna respond in one of two ways. God is calling us to make disciples. He's talking to you this morning, okay? And so this is what we wanna do. We wrote on this earlier, okay? So we wrote what God uses this past week to to fulfill that vision of making people and places new, but this is how we're gonna respond. For some of you, you've heard this message this morning. Jesus is talking to you. He's encouraging you to make disciples. And you're saying, saying, Aaron, I'm in, man. I'm on the ground floor. Like, I wanna be a part of this. Your response is this. Come to the town hall meeting on January 22nd. We're gonna talk about what this looks like. And I'm believing this. I've been praying for you guys that God's gonna give us a good core amount of people to kind of start this out and to launch this out. Now, we don't have all of this figured out yet, okay? So I want you to hear this. If you're in on the ground floor, this is not a perfect system. We're, we're learning how to do this. It's like when your phone says, do you wanna try the beta? And you're like, I don't know, is this gonna work? Okay, that's kind of what this is like. We're gonna get feedback. We're gonna help you. We're gonna put tools in your hands and resource you. But you're gonna help us in this process of learning what it makes what it looks like to make disciples. And then around September, we're gonna roll this out to everyone. But for some of you, God is challenging you and don't just think it's the person next to me. Actually, listen to God. God, I wanna be in on the ground floor. Like, I wanna help with this. I wanna be discipled in my life and, and that way I can go and make disciples. Maybe you've never been discipled. This is a time for that. And so that town hall meeting, be there. We're gonna have childcare, we'll have refreshments. We're gonna talk about what this looks like and begin this process 
together, okay? So some of you, God's speaking to you, hey, be part of this. Like right now, get on the ground floor. That's what I'm calling you to. For others of you, you're saying, Aaron, I'm all in. Like I'm 100% in on this. I hear this vision. And, and I'm gonna be there in September when you guys start this off. But right now, I just need to develop some of those relationships with other people. Okay, so I need to get to know other people. We disciple in relationship, we're discipled in relationship. And so I need to know other people in the church. And so your response is on February 2nd, we're gonna have group link. We're gonna start that up again. And for a number of weeks on Sunday nights, once again, we'll have childcare, we'll have some refreshments here. We're gonna get together, get to know one another, have some spiritual conversations. And we're gonna talk to each other about what God's speaking in our life and how we can grow we're really gonna develop those relationships. We're gonna start that process, okay? Now, you'll notice there is no option three, okay? God's not saying sit this one out. All of us have a response, okay? It may be saying, God, I wanna be in on the ground floor. It may be saying, God, I wanna de develop those relationships, but I'm challenging each of you, respond and say, God, I hear you. You're talking to me this morning, and God, I hear you, and Lord, I want to begin to walk this out of what it looks like to make disciples. And so take this in your hand. I'm going to stop talking, okay? We're going to take a moment, just listen to God's spirit and say, God, what is that? Is it being intentional about relationships? I'm going to be at group link. Is it getting on the ground floor of this disciple-making process? So God, I'm going to be at the town hall meeting. Take a moment, listen to God, and then just write that down. And we're believing that God is going to accomplish what he wants to in our lives as we do that. So go ahead and take a second. Let's reflect on that together. Good afternoon, NCC. My name is Wayne. This is my wife, Nikki. We're the Chandlers, and we're spiritual directors here at NCC. And so we just want to take some time to challenge you guys based on this awesome word that Pastor Aaron gave um, for this five-year vision that's coming up uh, that we're starting. So 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 2 through 3. This is Paul writing to Timothy. And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses... And trust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. So look, when we become disciples of Jesus Christ, we are expected to not only grow in our faith, but to extend that knowledge to others. It's not something that we just hold on and say, hey, you better get it how you get it because I got mine. We should be freely giving it as he freely gave it out to us. Um, so this is what Paul was encouraging Timothy to do there in chapter 2 of 2 Timothy. So look, discipleship is not something that we're called to do when we decide, sorry, discipleship is something we're called to do when we follow Jesus. Um, yes, it's a challenging journey. We saw the challenges that the disciples went through even as they spent every day with Jesus. And he was like, can you explain that to me, Jesus? I don't know what you just said. And so we know this is a tough thing. But God is with us. We have the Holy Spirit living inside of us to teach us those things. Um, so look, the fact that God is using us to share this life-changing and hope-filled good news should be exciting. This should be exciting for every one of you believers that, hey, God is using me to work out his plan here on earth and fulfilling his kingdom here. So if you're like Paul and are unashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, knowing that it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes, then you too have the ability to spread the good news of Jesus Christ and to disciple others. 
That was good. <laughs> um, so as Pastor Aaron stated earlier, this is not a challenge for just a select group of people. These, this is a challenge for everybody. Either you're going to fall into the category of being a disciple or being disciple. But either way, take some time this week to meditate on those scriptures that, that were put up and then the one he just gave you in 2 Timothy and just apply it to your life. Wherever you are, whatever season of life you're in, take that time to reflect on that and see where you are. Because as a church, we've made a declaration to move forward. And that means we're going to move forward in growth, whether it's helping um, someone else or being helped. And besides the point, we're all going to grow in the process as well. So, um, yeah, just take that time to reflect and meditate this week. Um, we're going to go ahead and pray. Father God, we thank you for this opportunity to join you in what you're doing here on earth, God. As kingdom um, soldiers and as believers in Christ Jesus, we pray, God, that by your Holy Spirit that you would um, lead us and guide us. Give us clarity on what it is you would have us to do, Lord, so that we can participate in the beautiful, beautiful plan that you have here on earth. Um, we thank you in advance for what you're going to do in two, 2025, God. And we're just in hopeful anticipation that it is all for your glory and for your honor. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message. This week, ask God about your next step. Maybe you're ready to jump right in on this discipleship process. Or maybe a better place for you is to start with GroupLink to build relationships as you get ready for this discipleship process that will all be available in September. Here at NCC, we're all about making people and places new, and we want to know how we can help you grow in your faith. So connect with us online at newcommunity.co. We would love to hear from you.